Good morning, church. Now, that was definitely a, uh, a New Year's hangover on that one. Uh, good morning, church. Happy New Year. It is 2016, and God is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, it is so good to be with you. Uh, if you're a guest, my name is Derek. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Bayou City Fellowship. Uh, we welcome you. Uh, our number one hope is that you would experience God today, not that you would just love our music, which I think you will, or that you'll think we're really cool people, which I know all the people at least sitting down there are really cool, uh, but that you would experience God today. That's, that's our hope uh, for you today. Uh, well, it is a new year, and so I thought we would talk about the new year. So let's just be honest. Who has made a resolution this year uh, for 2016? Just raise your hand, proud. It's okay if you're type A. If you're not type A, it's all right. Okay, has anybody like written it down and like posted it on your mirror? Anybody? We got a few of those people today. No? Okay, one person back there. That's great. We need to learn from you. Uh, well, I thought we would talk about resolutions a little bit today. And to get started, um, I thought I would just bring some witty sayings just so we can kind of get laughing a little bit. It's good to laugh in church. Amen? Okay, because we're real people and we're doing real things here. So here's uh, number one. This guy is just really perplexed. He says, I can't believe it's been a year since I didn't become a better person. Can anybody relate to that one? I mean, I've been there before. Um, I didn't ask you to raise your hands, by the way. I'm sorry. No, just show. Uh, number two, uh, this lady is so perplexed. She says, my New Year's resolution is to be more positive and less sarcastic. Like, I won't screw that up right away. Man, some of us are already day three, and we're like jacked it up. No, no chance of that happening. And then the last one here, this couple uh, is so good. Here's to becoming the best possible versions of ourselves in 2016 for the first few weeks. And it is still the first few weeks, and so hopefully this is you. Uh, but sometimes we look at resolutions and we kind of poke fun at them and make fun of them. Um, but I'm actually all for resolutions because at the core of resolution is really goals. And, you know, when I played college football, we had lots of goals. That's the only way we were successful. If we had goals, we had a way to get them. When I studied mechanical engineering, the only way I was going to graduate is if I had goals, if I had a plan to get there. And so if you don't have any resolutions, you're in luck because I brought the five most popular resolutions for you today. Um, get your pens and pa uh, paper out. Get ready for these. Uh, number one, lose weight. Now, that's not for you. That's the person beside you, okay? Uh, number two, uh, getting organized. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, my wife just said amen. Pick up your underwear. Uh, number three, spend less and save more. Now, if our government could only buy into number three, we would be much better off. Uh, number four, enjoy life to the fullest. Yes. And then number five, staying fit and healthy, which requires us to be fit and healthy uh, first. And so maybe you want to say one of these five is what you want to have for your 2016 resolution. And I think that's good because I think many of us can relate to this list. It's easy for me to think I want to be a better husband. I want to make more money in 2016. Can I get an amen from you? Yes. I can get behind, I want to get a different house, I want to get a different car, I want to be a better father, I'll be a better mother. We can get behind that because it's tangible, it makes sense to us. But, but have we considered and taken a step back and said, man, what would God want me to prioritize in 2016? If, if we take a step back and say, man, what would it look like for me to have a resolution for my spiritual life? What would that look like? In 2016, and so today, that's what I thought we would look at, because there are many, many things that we could focus on in 2016, and, and I believe God has something specific for every single person in this room, something he wants to teach you, something he wants to bring for you to receive, it's very specific to you, but in addition to these specific things, uh, I believe that God also has some, some things for our church, not just Bayou City, but the church at large, 
that he would like us to prioritize in 2016. So if you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I thought we would look at the book of wisdom to gain some wisdom this morning. Um, And then we're going to jump around a little bit. Proverbs chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, no sweat. We're going to have it on the screen here. We're going to be really setting up here and then jumping around. So chapter 3 of Proverbs verse 1 says, My son... Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now, now we get the background for the rest of the passage right here. And so this is King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. He, he is giving some wisdom, some direction to his kid, his son. And now, this is just a good word for you parents. Listen, you are the parent. Your kids are the kids in 2016. Like one of the ways that we are godly parents is by advising our kids from our own experience. And so we see this is the picture. This king, the wisest man ever, is giving his son some commandments to say, hey, do these things. And he says, if you do these things, you're actually going to live longer and you're going to have more peace. Now, how many of you would like to live longer and have more peace? You can raise your hands on that one. Right? We all want that. Now, Now, as we read this. Uh, let me just clarify, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, they're not all promises. That's that's a downer, I know, I know. Uh, They're not all promises. The Proverbs are are kind of general rules of thumb. So so maybe a proverb says, if you hang out with fools, you're going to become a fool. If you don't work hard, you're going to be hungry. Now, we all know those are general rules of thumb because we also know that there are some people that don't work hard, that have a lot of money, and it really gets under your skin, Right? So, so it's not a, a promise, but it's a general rule. It gets us on the trajectory. So what we see here is if we're going to do what he tells us in the, in the next verses, that it's going to put us on the trajectory to living longer and having more peace, which I want and, and you want. And so let's continue in verse 3. He says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, there's a ton of meat we can pull off of this verse, but I just want us to look at two words today, and that is love and faithfulness. And this, this word faithful or love, it says steadfast love. This is what the love is that we're talking about today. It's enduring love. It's not love that depends on how uh, you um, act or, or how you produce or, or an outcome. It's not that kind of love. It's a love that says, hey, even if you don't love me, I'm going to love you. Even if you get really mad at me and you don't like me, I'm still going to love you. It's not if you do this and don't do that, then I'll love you. No, it's even if. It's enduring, persevering love. That's the kind of love that we see here in this passage. And then faithfulness, what that means, it's... Full of faith. Full of faith. Faithfulness is a faith that doesn't just stay here, but it's lived out. And so it's being reliable. It's where your faith actually hits the road. It's not just this pie in the sky type of faith. It actually gets played out. That's what being faithful is. Having faithfulness is living out your faith, living out your promises. Now, it's important to note here that these two words, they describe God himself. If you look at Genesis and go all the way to Revelation, what you'll consistently see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God is described as love and faithfulness consistently. And so I've got two passages uh, that David wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 100, verse 5. David writes, he says, for the Lord is good. Amen? For the Lord is good. Amen? For the Lord is good 
His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, let me ask you a question today. Is today part of forever? Yes. So is God still love today? Yeah, yeah. You take it to the bank. God is still love. It says forever, including today. Now, now whether you're generation X or the greatest generation, whatever generation you represent today, is your generation part of all generations? Yes. And so guess what? Today in your generation, God is still faithful. So we see David just trying to put some, some words to this God that he is worshiping. And then David goes on in, in uh, Psalm 108, verse 4. Speaking of God again, he says, For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. And so David, a man after God's own heart, who is seeking God, is walking with God, he's trying to put a picture to say, he's like, your love, it's like the, the heavens, that, that was the stars. He said, that's how great it is. And your faithfulness, it's like the clouds, because he didn't have planes then. And so thinking about the clouds was, was way up there. And so he said, man, God is love and God is faithful. And so we see this, that, that David writes this, but then Jesus came on the scene, and we just celebrated Christmas. Jesus comes on the scene. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father. And so when you see Jesus anywhere in the Scriptures, what you see is God. One of the reasons Jesus came was to reveal the Father. So everything he said was from the Father. Everything he did was a representation of the Father. And we know that Jesus was both love and faithfulness. He he showed his love when he stepped out of heaven and came and was born of a Virgin Mary and lived the perfect life. And then he taught there's no greater love than this, than he that lays down his life for his friend. He didn't just give that lip service. Then he took what he taught and actually lived it out. And he went to the cross and he died for you and for me because he loved us. And so we see that Jesus was fully loved. He's representing God the Father. And then he's also faithful. He was faithful to his father, but he was also faithful to his followers. Faithful to his father when his father comes and says, hey, Jesus, I'm going to send you to earth to be a man. Fully God, but you're going to be a man. Jesus said, yes, I'll go. When, when Jesus is praying in the garden before he goes and is crucified, he's praying his guts out. And he says, Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup and remove it and do it some, any other way, if, if literally you could just figure out another way for me to be part of the salvation of people back to you, if that's possible, let it be. But then he says, nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus says, I'm going to be faithful to my father even unto death. And he was also faithful to his followers time and time again. I mean, I was just thinking about the, the time where he had a team huddle. You know, football season's almost over, but they're huddling up still. They got one or two more games left. But they had a team huddle with his disciples. And he says, hey, guys, this is the plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving you. And it's, it's going to be good for you, actually. It's going to be better that I leave so I can send you the Holy Spirit. So Jesus made a promise. When I leave and go to be the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And we know Jesus was faithful because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given fully to not just be with us anymore, but to be in us. And so we see Jesus was love, no question. And he was also faithful to his father and faithful to his followers. We see this throughout his life. And so what if in the midst of our 2016 resolutions to make more money, to lose weight, to be a better father, to be a better mother, what in the midst of those if we said our 2016 resolution is to be a more loving and more faithful person. Could that just be a net positive for the world? Would that be a good thing? 
But what if we take a step further back and pan out a little further and say, man, instead of just being loving and faithful, what if I just want to be more like Jesus in 2016? Like what would that look in your life if you became more like Jesus, like we just sang about? More like Jesus in 2016, because if we're more like Jesus, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be less focused on ourselves, which is a really good thing. And in all we do, we're going to glorify the Father, because that's what Jesus did. And you say, Jarek, that's, that's a great idea. That's a great notion. It's a great um, just vision. But, but how do we do that? How do we do that? Let me, let me just tell you what you do not do if you want that in 2016 to be more like God. You don't try harder. You don't try so hard that you try to do more and more good things and less and less bad things. That's, that's religion. And that's what Jesus was rebuking the religious leaders, consistently rebuking them for their religion, their, their willpower, trying to do everything on their own. That will lead you in 2016 to frustration and failure. If you try to be more like Jesus on your own. So what we're going to see today is the only way that you can become more like Jesus in 2016 is if you are connected to Jesus in fellowship. So that's the only way it's going to work out. We're going to see this in the scriptures. Flip over the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we find the writing of Paul, and he's writing to a church about some specific things. And he picks up in verse 16. This is Paul speaking. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Now notice that is a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. So walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now everything that Paul is getting ready to tell us is based on this assumption that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are walking with the Holy Spirit because Paul's going to go on and he's going to contrast what it looks like to walk in the flesh, which many of us, all of us know what that looks like. We've all gone after our own desires. So he's going to do that, but we're going to skip through that. And we're going to look at, in verse 22, what happens when we're walking with the Spirit. Verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now we see love and faithfulness is a fruit of walking with the Spirit. And what this fruit is, it's, it's literally, it's characteristics of God himself. Did, did you notice that? All the things that I just read, these are things that God is. Now, now this is a representative list. This is not an all-encompassing list. How many know you can't use nine words to describe God? Not going to happen. And so Paul says, hey, here are nine examples of what it looks like to be like God. And so he gives us the characteristics of God himself. And he says, these are going to be in your life, including love and faithfulness, if you walk by the Spirit of God. Now, let me remind you, as we, as we kind of look at this, that the Holy Spirit, and I've told you this before, is not the third-string quarterback of the Trinity. It doesn't go Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, man, I only got the Holy Spirit. No, no, when we see the Spirit here, this is God. When you interact with the Spirit, you're interacting with God. When you walk with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you are walking with God. It's not a downgrade. Jesus said, it's better that I leave so I can send you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is fully God. And so we get this picture. He says, listen, you're going to be more faithful 
And you're going to be loving if you walk with the Spirit of God. And so I love this picture of walk with the Spirit of God. How many of you have dogs? Anybody have dogs here? Okay. How many of you have ever seen a dog? A few of us? Yeah, we're going to get more hands raised on that one. So when you get a dog, did anybody get a dog for Christmas? That would be amazing. Anybody? Okay, no dogs. We got some work to do for Christmas next year. So, so when you get a dog, uh, they are so cute, right? I mean, they're just so cuddly. Uh, they've got the big feet and the big ears that are way too big for their bodies. They're just so kind of running into everything. Uh, so, so cute. Uh, but at some point, you look at that dog and say, hey, buddy, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to start going outside and doing your business. It's time for you to start learning some commands. And number one, the priority for an, um, uh, a pet owner is for their dog to learn to walk with them, right? And, and so I, I finally, I get my dog out there so excited. Um, you know, if you're a single guy, you're like using it for bait for women. But, but I'm not a single guy. So I've got my dog out there and I'm not joking. Um, and so I've got my dog and I'm training my dog. And so I'm out there teaching him to walk by my side. And so as I'm walking, though, you know that dogs get distracted really, really easy, right? I mean, you're walking with your dog, you're like feeling good about yourself, and then goes a squirrel, and your dog's like, squirrel, and runs after the squirrel. Or, or maybe you're walking, and, and a dog sees another dog, and for some reason, dogs think they have to smell another dog. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of dog. It's like, I need to go smell that other dog to make sure it's a dog. Like, I don't know what that is. But distractions are all over the place. Or maybe a fire extinguisher comes up and your dog, I won't do that. But, but there are distractions all over the place when you are trying to train your dog. Now, in the midst of that training, what are you trying to get that dog to do? Your hope, and when it's all said and done, is that dog will stay by your side. So it acknowledges you. When you speed up, it'll speed up too. When you stop, that dog's going to stop. If I were to turn left, that dog's going to turn left. And so what I'm training that dog to do is to be aware of my presence as the master. And so that dog is going to continually, okay, where's Derek? Where's Derek? Okay, Derek, stop. I'm going to stop. That, that's what I'm trying to train my dog to do. And then I'm even kind of the, the next level is when I'm training that dog and I get him to where I want him and that squirrel flies by. And everything in that dog's body says, go and have a dinner. Go get the squirrel. But when he sees that squirrel, what I want that dog to do is see the squirrel, but then to get his eyes back on me as the master. And to say, you know, I trust my master more than my instincts to run after that squirrel. See, that's the picture that we have today. And I think we can actually learn something from dogs today. I don't think we can learn anything from cats um, today. Um, sorry, Miss Alicia there, she loves her cats but, but, but today, I think we can learn something from dogs. I know I'm going to get an email from some of you, so that's all right. God loves cats, for sure. But, but I think we can really learn something, so hang with me. Because, because what does it look like for me to walk with God? It requires me to be aware of God. It requires me to, to have my attention focused on God. And so when I see God moving, I'm moving with him. When I see God stop, I stop with him. So I am always in the presence. I'm acknowledging God and I am in the presence, walking with God. And in the midst of that, when those distractions come, pornography, boom. Gossip, boom. Lying, boom. 
when these distractions come in my body, in my desires, so everything in me wants to run after that thing. In that moment, am I going to trust that God is better than that thing? Am I going to get my eyes off of the distraction where everything in me just says go? And am I going to get my eyes back on Jesus and say, I'm going to submit my will to his will. I'm going to trust my master over the distractions. You see, that's, that's the picture we have when it says to walk with God is that I am in consistent awareness of what is he doing? What is he saying? And as I hear him speak, as I hear him reveal, as he convicts, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to submit to him, trust him, or am I going to run after the squirrel? See, that's the picture that we have with Paul today. And that's what we see in Proverbs. So flip back over to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to get a little bit more detail of what this looks like to walk with God, to know God, to fellowship with God. So in, chapter, in verse 3 of chapter 3, we see the fruit which we just said is faithfulness and love. Those are the fruit of the spirit talked about in Galatians chapter five. So the fruit is there. And Paul says, if I walk with God, acknowledge him and trust him, that this fruit is gonna be in my life more and more. I'm gonna be coming more and more like God. And so we see in in verse four or verse five, he goes on to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding." In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so we we see a little bit more, if we want this fruit in our life, that we have to walk with God. And what Proverbs says before Paul was ever a thought in his mother's eye, that, that it looks like me to acknowledge God and then to trust God. And so this word acknowledge It means to be aware of God. It it means to notice him, to to look to him, to hear from him, to fellowship with him. I'm I'm in awareness of him, what he's speaking, what he's doing around me. And so my eyes are on Jesus. That's what it looks like to be aware of God in all things. Not just when you're sitting your rear ends in church. When you're at your workplace, what is God doing around you? When you're at your home, what is God doing? What is he saying When you're praying by yourself in the middle of the morning, what is God speaking? See, that's what it looks like to be aware, this communication where I'm looking to God to actually speak to me. And then we get to the next word, trust, which which is pretty self-explanatory, but it means to rely upon, to depend on, and then this really, really bad word that many of us don't like, to submit to. And so in, in the moment where I hear God, speak to me, lead me, guide me, convict me. That's when I acknowledge God. And in that moment, then I make a decision. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to rely upon him? Am I going to submit to him? So what I see here is this is what it looks like to walk with God, to fellowship with God. And as I acknowledge him, as I trust him in obedience, what happens is I become more and more like Jesus. What I find is when I am walking with God, I am spending more time with God. And when I spend more time with God, I actually begin to think, look, and act more like God. See, this is what it looks like in 2016. If we say, we want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more loving. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more forgiving. 
It doesn't start with you going out and doing, doing, doing. It gets for you being with God, acknowledging him and trusting him. And in 2016, uh, I wish I could tell you it's going to be really easy for you to do that. Uh, But last I checked, Satan is not taking the year off. He's still seeking to devour. He's still uh, killing, stealing, and destroying. He, He is still on the lookout for how he can trip you up. His number one desire for you is to not be like Jesus in 2016. And so we we see there are many things that can trip us up and keep us from this. But I think in Proverbs, we see one specific thing that I think most of us can relate to. Look back in in verse 5, the end of verse 5. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. Then verse 7, the beginning says, be not wise in your own eyes. Now, there's one word that you can sum up both of those, and that word is pride. Pride will keep you in 2016 from becoming more like Jesus. Here's the definition, and I've given you this before, and I think it's just a great definition that a mentor once gave me. He said that pride is the refusal to see myself the way that God does. Pride is refusing to see myself as God does. Now, that can go one of two ways. I can have this really, really low view of myself where I think I am below everybody, that I think that my sin somehow is beyond the forgiveness of Jesus that I think that I have messed up my family, I've messed up my career, I've messed up all these things, and somehow there's no way that a God of love could love me. You see, that's, a, that's, a, that's pride, because it's refusing to see myself as God sees me. Because what Jesus makes really clear is that all of us here, that he came to the world for all, that he died for all, that you are his workmanship, Just think about that a second. I mean, maybe if you're struggling with your self-worth today, just think about this. Everyone in this room is a workmanship of God. He created you, and he didn't mess up when he created you. He enjoys you. He wants you to be in fellowship with him. You see, this is the appropriate view of ourself because that's the view of God of us. And so maybe today you're down here and you just need to know that God loves you and he desires for you to know him. But but maybe some of us in the room, maybe you're more like me, my bent is that you have this super inflated view of yourself. You see, when I'm not walking with Jesus, I get really, really arrogant. I can. Uh, I mean, it's so bad. When I was in high school and college, you can ask my wife, uh, I would, in high school, when I scored a touchdown, I would high step into the end zone. Like how embarrassing is that? My kids have to watch that. So embarrassing, like literally full out high step. It was so embarrassing. But, but, but when pride is, when we have this inflated view of ourselves, what I see is everybody is at my disposal. That, that literally everyone is beneath me. They are there for my purposes. And so I begin to put everyone else down. And what happens when I begin to build myself up an inflated view, I actually put my view above God's. So when the Lord, through the scriptures or through prayer, he speaks something to me that I don't like, I'm going to say, no, thank you, God, I know better. You see, pride goes either way. It goes low or it goes high, and it'll keep you from becoming more like Jesus in 2016 because pride always produces isolation and independence. Isolation, because when I'm building myself up, whether I think I'm too low or I'm too high, I begin to push everyone away from me 
because I don't want anybody stepping on my toes. I don't want anybody to threaten the view that I build up of myself, and so I push other people away. And I'll even push God away when I'm operating in pride because I don't want to hear what he has to say. I've got my own stuff going on. And so I begin to isolate people all away from him. Or independence where I begin to operate more and more on my willpower. God, why don't you take the day off? I've, I've got this. And so what happens is I begin to rely on my willpower and not on God's power. Now, now if you've been to the gym uh, this week or if you're going Monday, because I know most of you are going to start your resolutions on Monday because that's the way to start, right? Um, I, I believe it, right? right? Um, so if you go to the gym Monday, uh, what's going to happen is it's going to be really, really crowded, which is a really good thing if you're a trainer, right? But it's a really bad thing if you just want to go work out because there's going to be lots of people there in the gym. And there's not going to be any machines ready because guess what? Everybody on January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th has a lot of willpower. We can start out with a bang. And so everybody's going to show up. But if you wait... Just hold out. Just start eating better, but don't go to the gym. And until March, April, May, what you'll find out is you'll have availability of every machine in there. Because willpower wears out eventually. And so what happens is when I begin to rely more and more on my power, I become independent. I actually remove myself from the power source. And then I'm left on my own. And so I'm here to left with my sin I'm here to do these decisions in life all on my own because I'm independent. I pulled myself away from God. And so I ask you this morning, what areas of your life are you operating in pride today? Where are you leaning on your own understanding? Like what area of your life, the little box where you say, God, you can have all of this area and you're really feeling good about that you've given God up all this area. But, but you holding this back here, say, God, like you can have all this, but this area right here, like my finances, no, you're not going to get that. I, I've got this, God. Like don't play in my sandbox. This is my money. Or maybe my, my family, my relationships. Like what are you holding back from God and leaning on your own understanding? Wherever that is, that's pride. And it'll keep you from knowing God the way that he wants you to know him in 2016. Now, now, I've shared a little bit of my testimony before, but, man, when I graduated college, um, my resolution upon graduation was to be the man. Anybody else had that when you graduated college? You just think you know everything? Uh, so I graduated college. My, my plan was to do really well in the corporate world and to just knock it out of the park a couple years, go back and get my executive MBA and get that and then go and run some company. That was my mission in life. That was what I thought would bring me joy. Now, if you are a, a C-suit today, like that does not mean what you're doing is wrong. Not at all. Like we need men and women in our church, in Bayou City Fellowship, that are running businesses, leading businesses, that are out there getting MBAs, getting doctors. We need all of that. But, but you got to check your motive because my motive was all about Derek. It wasn't to glorify God. It wasn't that I heard God and began to do it. My, my motive was if I do this, then I'm going to find some joy. I'm gonna find some contentment. And so I would pursue, pursue, pursue. Pursue the promotion. I got the promotion. Guess what? That lasted, that joy lasted for a really short time. And then I'm sat there. I'm like, what do I do next? Guess what? Next position up, next promotion. How can I run after it? Next thing up. In addition to the corporate world, uh, you can ask my wife here. Um, in addition to running so hard after that, I was also thinking like, how can I have my own business? 
Because if I could just have my own business that I could form and that I could run, that everything would be all right. And all the business owners laugh because they know it's not all right. But in my head, if I could just get there, then I would have joy. Then I would have contentment. And so I was pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And the whole time, though, there was so much pride in my life. I had isolated myself from my wife. I had isolated myself from my friends. I had pushed myself even away from the church. It was a good season where we didn't go to church because I didn't want to go to church because I had my objective in life. I didn't need God messing it up. God, I've got this. I'm going to make these decisions. I didn't ever ask my wife, God, oh, well, baby, what do you want to do? What, what do you think on this? No, I was so independent because I was so prideful. And in the midst of that, our relationship as a marriage was terrible. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, my relationship with my kids was just hanging on. I was just kind of token parent there, not leading my wife spiritually in any capacity. She was the one that was meeting with the Lord, praying, reading the scriptures while I was out jacking around. And then one uh, evening we were at um, a steakhouse in Texas because if it's Anything to celebrate in Texas, even if it's a Friday, what do we do? We go eat meat. And so uh, we were celebrating our anniversary, and I'm sitting across from my wife. Had ordered a bone-in ribeye, medium well, or not medium well. That, that's not my, don't take my man card back. Medium rare. Because there's something about having a bone on your plate after you're done. You're just like, ooh, Yes. And so we weren't doing anything spiritual. I was actually the opposite. Like I was just salivating, thinking about my steak coming out. And in that moment, uh, for some reason, the grace of God just lifted and came down upon me. And in that moment, God just gave me this clear understanding. And he spoke and he said, Derek, the path that you're walking is not the path I have for you. The decisions that you're making, those aren't the decisions I have for you. And in that moment, sitting in a steakhouse across from my bride, I, I knew that there was going to be a decision I was going to make that day. Was I going to continue to pursue the things that Derek thought would bring joy? Pursuit, achievement, pursuit, achievement, emptiness. Or was I going to say yes and begin to walk with God? Now, the hard part about that decision is I could kind of foresee what Derek's road would lead to. But, but when God gives you, says, hey, will you follow me? You don't get to see all the things that are on the other side. See, it requires faith. And, and so in that moment, by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit working in my life through circumstances, I finally said, yes, I'm all in. I'm going to walk with you. And I looked at my wife and I said, hey, babe, you got to forgive me. And... Uh, and I said, I have made every decision based on what I thought would bring me joy. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And that weekend uh, was an amazing weekend. It was really one of those milestones where you build an altar and say, man, God was there. Because we started praying together that weekend. We went to a church service uh, up in Dallas, a pastor that I really had a lot of respect for, that I wanted to see. And wouldn't you know, I, I get there and it wasn't that pastor. And maybe you're feeling that way this morning. And I'm sorry. I really am sorry it's almost over I swear but but I, I know because I was sitting in the seat and when I saw this guy come up I'm like man that's not my guy I don't want that guy up there but how many of you know that God works in some amazing ways so this business owner who was an elder at the church he gets up and he proceeds to give a sermon that reads my mail 
he begins to proclaim everything that God had told me two days ago. He begins to just read it off and he confirmed all these things that the Holy Spirit had downloaded into my life in that moment when I was waiting for my steak. And I said, whoa, it's amazing. God is real. God still speaks today. And then my wife and I, we, we began to be on this journey of walking with God because how many of you know it's not a one-time decision to acknowledge God and to say yes to him? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So whether I'm 30 years from now, I guarantee what I'm gonna be doing is if I'm acknowledging God, he's gonna be speaking to me. And as he speaks to me, am I going to trust him? And in turn, am I gonna be more like him? Listen, you don't need to have the exact same encounter that I had. You probably won't. God speaks in so many different ways. He knew that's what I needed. He knows what you need. Maybe today is the day where you realize that you are not walking with the Lord. Maybe you realize today that you are not in fellowship with God. Maybe you've acknowledged God, but you haven't laid down your will and said yes to his will. See, today we're all walking. We're all walking somewhere. The question in 2016, are you going to be walking with Jesus or are you going to be walking solo? What has God been saying to you? What is he saying to you today during worship, during this message, in the word of God? What is God saying to you today? What is he saying? What's the spirit speaking? What's he revealing? What's he showing you? And are you willing to trust him, to take a step of faith, and say, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to lay down my will, despite the distractions, and I'm going to keep my eyes on you in 2016, and I'm going to walk with you and be with you.